Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. Did you know that there is a Jewish holiday that almost no one celebrates anymore? It's true. It's called the Feast of First Fruits. And today it's kind of just uh, overlooked. Uh, The only thing it does today is it begins the countdown towards uh, Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks. We call it Pentecost today. But it was a feast and a, an, and a religious observance which God called on his people to honor and to commemorate in uh, chapter 23 of Leviticus in the Old Testament. So what is it and why is it that this holiday given by God to his people uh, is no longer really celebrated like it used to be in Jesus' day? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. Okay, so um, we're uh, moving forward into our study of these feasts of the Lord, the seven feasts that uh, God gave to his people. And if you ever are trying to remember uh, what those seven feasts are and you don't remember off the top of your head, just remember where you can find them. There's one place in the Old Testament and only one place where all seven of them are mentioned together. And that's Leviticus chapter 23. So Leviticus chapter 23 has all seven of these specified out of what they are and what God is calling his people to do. And um, I'm I'm, I'm saying this every week, but it's worth repeating that these are translated as appointed times. Appointed times. uh, Appointments. These are times that are set aside a certain time at a certain place for a certain reason. And uh, so God has called his people on these seven times to be uh, where he has called them to be, to do what he's called them to do, so that he can just renew this relationship with them and remind them of who they are and who he is. So we did Passover, uh, and then we did the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which basically... Uh, both then and now, both in Jesus' day and today, are kind of combined into one eight-day celebration. And um, today it's just all kind of called Passover, which uh, is eight days, but actually it's Passover on the first day, the 14th of Nisan, which is in April or March, and then on the 15th of Nisan, the very next day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts, and that's a seven-day celebration from the 15th to the 21st. So in Jesus' day, it was just the opposite. They combined those and they referred to them as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which also included Passover. So these two have been combined together. Well, today we're going to talk about the third feast of the Lord, the third appointment time, and uh, appointed time, and that is the Feast of First Fruits. And the Feast of First Fruits is also part of this Passover Feast of Unleavened Bread 
eight-day period because the Feast of First Fruits is contained within those eight days. It's celebrated within those eight days of Passover slash, slash Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, uh, we'll get into this in just a minute, but there is some disagreement, as it were, as to specifically when in that eight-day period the Feast of First Fruits is to be observed. And we'll talk about what that controversy is and why it, why I think it has happened. And um, and but the 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 important part is whichever side of the controversy that you come down on, the fact of the matter is that the feast of first fruits is part of this eight day Passover feast of unleavened bread uh, celebration and, and and commemoration. So. Um, if you remember Passover, the, the theme of Passover is redemption, right? The blood of the lamb, the redemption of the blood of the lamb, redeemed from slavery in Egypt, redeemed today, our applications Christians, redeemed from our sin through the blood of Christ, redeemed from slavery in Egypt through the blood of the Paschal lamb, redeemed from the slavery of sin as Christians through the blood of our Paschal Lamb, uh, Christ. And then we talked about last week the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the theme there is sanctification. Remember we talked about how the unleavened bread has no yeast, and yeast is symbolic of sin. And so when you're talking about the the Feast of of Unleavened Bread, uh, that unleavened bread to us is the body of Christ without sin. And so it's a reminder for the Jews who celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and even for us today, to try to live our lives without sin, to, as best as we can, to try to live our lives in obedience to the call of God and the call of his word on our lives as best as we can. And so that's called sanctification. So you have Passover is all about redemption. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is all about sanctification. And now we get into the Feast of first fruits. And the Feast of First Fruits is all about resurrection, resurrection, life from death. And that requires faith. So the Feast of First Fruits is about resurrection, life from death, and faith. Think about it in, in terms of agriculturally. Uh, the nation of Israel was a, a nation that was based on agriculture. And so uh, the, the, feast of, the, the, the Feast of First Fruits involved a, a, a harvest of the first fruits of the barley crop. Why barley? Because barley is the fastest growing grain. And so the, what would happen is, uh, you know, they would have wintertime where you look out there and you think the earth is dead. You know, the trees are dead, the grass is dead, everything is gray. Everything is, is, I have to laugh at, laugh at my sister, uh, reminds me, I was talking to her yesterday and she goes, uh, well, we'd like to come and help you guys move when you're moving to your new house, but we can't because we're going on a winter vacation with uh, my daughter, with our daughter, uh, Amy. And uh, I said, oh, are you going to like Florida or California or Gulf Shores, Alabama? She lives in Atlanta. And she goes, no, I mean a winter vacation. We're going somewhere where it's cold. <laughs> And she goes, we're going to we're going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, February eighteenth. Yeah. So, so we have relatives who live in Finland now. Jan and I have never been there, but my sister's been there twice, and to visit. And um, she said, I, I went there once in the summer, and I went there in the winter. In the summer, you go, and it's beautiful, the trees and the lakes and all nature. I mean, it's friendly to go up into Lapland. It's just wonderful. She says, but in the winter, it's just white. The, gra- the ground is white with snow. The-, the sky is white. The mountains are white. You see nothing but white. And so that reminded me, you know, of like what we're talking about here is in the winter, the earth looks dead. But then you go ahead and plant your crops because you have faith that there's going to be life again. And then when you get into the spring and that barley uh, crop starts to grow and you see this life, this new life 
agriculturally, this new life coming through the spring crops uh, from what was the dead earth. And so your faith is paying off. That's why you plant in faith even when it doesn't look like anything is going to grow. And then the first fruits, we'll talk about that in just a minute, is where you're taking the first of the crop and you're giving it away. Um, and you're having faith that God will continue to give you more. So that's what it's all about. If you want to look in your Bible, turn to um, <clears throat> turn to Leviticus 23, and we will uh, take a look at um, what what is, what God t- said about it. So it's Leviticus 23, and it starts with verse nine. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain of the harvest, which is barley, because again, like we said, that is uh, a winter crop and it, it also grows the fastest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. So this is where the controversy comes in. I'll read it to you in a minute and explain it. But uh, the day after the Sabbath, what? So I've been telling you in the last couple of weeks that uh, the Feast of First Fruits starts on the 16th of Nisan. Pentecost on the 14th, uh, first day of, on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the first day is the next day on the 15th. And that First Fruit starts on the 16th of Nisan. But that's not necessarily so, and I'm taking that back. Um, that is the way it was eventually established, but I don't think personally that's the way that God necessarily meant it to be. So this is the this is because he doesn't say here it's the 16th. He says on Pentecost it should be the 14th, and he says the day of unleavened bread starts the next day. But here he says the day after the Sabbath. He doesn't give a specific date, and so. The controversy is, which Sabbath is he talking about? So anyway, verse 12, on the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord, a lamb a year old without defect, uh, together with its grain offering of two tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made to the Lord by fire, a pleasing aroma with its drink offering of a quarter of a hen of wine. So there's the grain offering, which the two-tenths of the ephah of fine flour is barley flour, okay? So you have the, the barley uh, that you're giving and mixed with oil. You're also bringing a lamb, or if you can't afford a lamb, you bring your two turtle doves or pigeons. And then you also bring a drink offering of uh, wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. So in other words, uh, you're not allowed to take any of that barley flour and make uh, uh, bread and eat it until after you make the offering to the Lord. You can't can't bake with it or anything. You have to give it to God first. Um, This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. So... Let's talk about that controversy for just a minute. Uh, I'm going to read it because I think this guy does a better job of saying, of describing it better than I could tell you about it. So uh, let's see here. All right. So here's what he says. Scripture did not specify the actual calendar date of first fruits, but merely prescribed its time of observance to be on the day after the Sabbath. This led to various interpretations and considerable debate as to which Sabbath was in view. The Sadducees, and later the Kairite Jews, understood it to refer to the first weekly Sabbath, Saturday, which occurred during the week of Passover season. So in other words, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread is eight days, right? So there's always going to be a Saturday in that eight-day period. Now, that Saturday is the Sabbath, right, to the Jewish people. But Passover is based on the moon, right? The first new moon, or the first new moon. So Passover may not always be on Friday or Thursday. It can be other days of the week. 
So if you're, but, but no matter when Passover is, what day of the week it is, there will always be during that eight day period, a Saturday, which will be an actual Sabbath for the Jewish people. So one interpretation is if that's the Sabbath you're talking about, a Saturday during this eight day period, then that Saturday may not be the 16th of Nisan. If you have Passover on a Tuesday, that's the 14th, and you have the next day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread on a Wednesday, then that that Sabbath is not going to be on Thursday. It's going to be on Saturday, which is not going to be the 16th, right? So that's one interpretation in that the Sabbath they're talking about, that God is talking about, is the Sabbath of that week, whatever date it is. Okay, so that date can be whatever date it is during that week. Okay. However, the word Sabbath also designated any holy day on which work was prohibited, no matter which day of the week it occurred. So remember, we talked about on the Feast of Unleavened Bread that the first day of that feast was to be a holy convocation on which no work could be done. And what did we say? We said, in, in essence, that first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a Sabbath. It's a special Sabbath. It doesn't have to be on Saturday. It is whenever it is, because there's a holy convocation and because there's no work done, it is considered a Sabbath, not a Saturday, but it doesn't have to be a Saturday. It's still considered a Sabbath because no work is being done. Okay, so so that's what he's saying is, which Sabbath was God talking about? Was he talking about the uh, day, was he talking about the first day of unleavened bread and then first fruits would be the next day? So in our example, if the first day of unleavened bread is on a, uh, what I say, Wednesday, then first fruits would be on a Thursday. Is he talking about that day after the Sabbath? Or is he saying, if you have Passover on a Tuesday, or a Tuesday and on Wednesday you have the first day of unleavened bread, is he then talking about that next Saturday, which would then be like the 18th or whatever? So which Sabbath is he talking about? Okay. The majority opinion, I know it's confusing, hang in there, hang in. You're going to get the recording of this, you can listen again. The majority opinion held by the Pharisees was that the Sabbath in question was the 15th of Nisan, the first day of the Feast of of Unleavened Bread. That day was to be a holy convocation on which no work was performed. This same description was given to the weekly Sabbath, which was on Saturday, and to Holy Day Sabbaths held on other days of the week. Ancient Jewish observance agreed with this interpretation. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, wrote, But on the second day of unleavened bread, which is the 16th day of the month, they first partake of the fruits of the earth, for before that day they do not touch them. Thus the chronology of Passover season consisted of Passover on the 14th, the Feast of Unleavened Bread for five days on the 15th through the 21st, and the Feast of First Fruits on the 16th. The second day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, 16th of Nisan, was also first fruits, a day simultaneously shared by both holidays. So, what he's saying there is, eventually, it came to be the practice of the Jewish uh, people that the Sabbath God was talking about was the first day of Unleavened Bread. And so the day of first fruits was the next day, the 16th, always, no matter what day of the week it happened to be on. So in our example, today, or they don't, really, they don't celebrate it today, but back in Jesus' day, as an example, uh, the practice was, and for years, uh, for, you know, for decades after that, that the Feast of First Fruits was always on the 16th, regardless of what day it, it, it occurred. But I don't think that that, was the correct interpretation because I think when God says Sabbath in his word, he clearly is talking about Saturday clearly. And I think there's a re and I think this was just a way for people to um, make something work the way they want it to work for a reason they have, which we'll talk about in a minute Uh, and kind of, uh, not really doing exactly what God told them to do. Because when God says it'll be accepted on your behalf, the priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath, 
God wasn't talking about the day after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He was talking about the day after Saturday. If, because Saturday is always the Sabbath in the Old Testament. And so what is the day after the Sabbath? Sunday. So the day of first fruits always should have been from this day, the entire history of the Jewish people should always have been celebrated on Sunday, every single time. Because no matter when during that week Passover is, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread is, it can be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. It's the next Sabbath right after that, which is a Saturday. And then the next day, Sunday, every day, every time, it should be celebrated on a Sunday. So I'm preaching. I'm preaching. <laughs> okay. So let's go into it a little bit here. So in, uh, in, uh, in um, the, uh, what do I do with my pages here? Okay. So in the, uh, let's talk about first fruits. Okay, so um, there were basically three stages to this. Uh, you know, you can't just go out and just start harvesting barley, right? You have to grow it first. So there were three stages in which uh, the Feast of First Fruits took place. And the first step, the first phase, was in the growing, the growing of the barley, right? So um, what they would do is they would... Uh, plow the field, uh, and that would happen uh, in the um, fall. So fall comes, they have harvested their crops, and now they, they plow the field to replant it again. So they, they, would, they, would, um, they would plow it in the fall, and then they would plant the seed in the winter. And it would grow for 70 days. That was basically the amount of time it took for the barley to grow and to ripen. 70 days. Now, you weren't allowed to do anything artificial to help that barley to grow. You couldn't water it. God had to water it. You couldn't fertilize it. God had to fertilize it. You couldn't, I don't think he even had it back then, but insecticide it because God had to. So you just had to trust God and let him do his thing with that crop. So what happened then is the, the, crop, the crop would start growing. And then you'd be getting coming close to Passover. And so what would happen is uh, you, you would go out into the field and you would mark off the best of the unripened barley. So you go around your crop and say, okay, this, the, this part here, these are these, this part's growing the best right now. I don't know if you've ever tried to grow anything. I have a terrible, I do not have a green thumb. You want to get rid of a plant, you give it to me. But I do know a little bit about what I've seen, and that is even you can plant the same flowers or the same bushes, and you treat them the same. And sometimes something grows well, and sometimes something right next to it doesn't grow at all. And you're like, what is? There was this one house I used to pass all the time on my way to work, and they redid their their yard, and they plant must have planted like twelve new uh, trees that were. Uh, like evergreen trees or pine trees, and they're all young, but they, a whole bunch of them. And I, I would go by there, and I'd just see four or five of them were dying. But the other ones were doing great, and they'd replace those four or five and put new ones in. And it's just, I don't know, sometimes things grow better than others. So anyway, you go into your barley field, and you find the best of the barley that's growing at that point. And you mark it off, and you tie those sheaves together to mark them as these are going to be the first fruits. These sheaves are going to be, or this sheaf is going to be the first fruit. And so that was the designation. Now, the Feast of First Fruits had both a national observance and a personal observance. And remember we talked about, I think uh, Dennis asked about, you know, on the Feast of Unleavened Bread when it came to all the sacrifices, was there a national, like a priest would do it for the whole nation, or did each person have to do it just individually? We said, no, in, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's a personal thing. There's no national, not like the Day of Atonement, where one sacrifice is being made for the whole nation. This was a personal thing. But in the, in the Feast of First Fruits, there was both. There was a, a national observance, and there was also a personal observance. So in the national observance, the barley was grown by the uh, Sanhedrin, actually, or and or the temple priests. They would... That they kind of did this together, and it was grown in a place called the Ashes Valley, the Ashes Valley, which was part of the Kidron Valley. And this was the designated place for 
them to grow the barley that would be used for the national observance and the national, uh, uh, you know, where they would sacrifice it and devote it to, to God. And so they would grow it there, and then they would go out, and uh, the Sanhedrin would decide which sheaves would be marked aside as the first fruits. And the Sanhedrin made that decision, and they would mark off three three sheaves. Instead of just one, there were three. And I just, I love that because I'm thinking, yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We see the three right there. So there were three first fruits and the sheaves. And they would mark them and they would bind them together. Now in the personal celebration, the farmer would go out with his family and uh, they would find the, the right one. They would just have to do one and they would do the same kind of thing. They would mark it off as the special sheaf that they would use, sheaf, 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 yeah, that they would use to, for, for their own personal um, dedication to the Lord for this. Okay, so that's the growing. That's step one. Now, step two is the harvesting. So that was also done in a certain specific way. And what would happen is the national observance at sundown on the 15th of Nisan, as it turned out the way they ended up celebrating it, on the on, at sun, now remember this is so confusing for us today and sometimes I actually have to write I have to write it down so I can understand it understand it better but the new day started at sundown okay or at six o'clock ish so like today okay it's Sunday right well we know it's Sunday from midnight last night to midnight tonight. It's that whole 24-hour period is Sunday. But in the Jewish way of thinking of the days, that's not what happened. Uh, Sunday would be until 6 o'clock this evening, and at 6 o'clock this evening, Monday would start. And Monday would go until 6 o'clock tomorrow, Monday evening. Monday goes from 6 o'clock on Sunday to 6 o'clock on Monday. It's still a 24-hour period, but it's from 6 to 6, not from midnight to midnight. So what they would do is at sundown on the 15th of Nisan, the new day starts, which is, what, the 16th of Nisan, right? And so at sundown, they would go out, and there would be a three-man delegation from the Sanhedrin, and they would leave the temple area, and they would process to the Valley of Ashes where the barley was. The people would follow them because this was a public thing for the whole nation. This was a big deal. So they would all follow them down there and they would uh, find where that was and they would get ready to, to, to harvest it. Now in the personal celebration, uh, they would just wait until the next morning uh, when they would get up. It's still the 16th of Nisan. It wasn't six o'clock yet. And uh, they would go out to their little, you know, barley field, and that usually would be the farmer and his family, and they would get ready to harvest and to reap their own sheaf that they um, that they put aside. So when, in the national way of doing it, when those, that delegation of the three men, delegation of the three men got there with the people uh, that were following them, they would carry a sickle and a basket. And the sickle was obviously to cut the sheaf, and uh, the uh, basket was to carry it back to the temple. So they would go out there, and uh, when they got there, they would ask a series of questions before they would cut it, because this is a ceremony now, right? So the first question was, and they'd ask the people, has the sun set? In other words, are we on the 16th of Nisan now? Yes. Uh, with this sickle, should I cut it? Yes. Uh, into this basket? Yes. On this Sabbath, meaning, you know, the day after the Sabbath, that Sabbath, yes. Shall I reap? Yes. And they would do this three times to, before they would actually cut the sheaf. Uh, and then once they got, got the three, they would cut the sheaf, they put it in the basket, and they take it back to the temple. In the personal application, the farmer's family would go out, they would cut their sheaf, they would also put it in a basket, and then uh, they were to bring it to the temple as well. Okay, so that's part one and part two, the growing and the harvesting. The third stage is the presentation of the first fruits at the temple. So for the national celebration, what would happen is those three, three men from the Sanhedrin would bring the barley back to the temple, 
And the barley was then threshed with rods, manual labor, manually doing it. Uh, they would then parch the grain over an open flame, and then they would winnow it, removing the, the, the grain from the chaff. And then they would you know, sift it until they had to get a very fine flour. As a matter of fact, uh, the sifting continued until a temple inspector could put his hand in the flour and remove it without any flour adhering to his hand. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. But that was what they had to do. So, and then they would uh, take that uh, and mix it together and get ready to take it to the priest to be given to the Lord. So what would happen is uh, they would take then, it was one Omer, Omer, one Omer. It was about five pints um, of the flour, and they would mix it with three quarters of a pint of olive oil, and they would do a small amount of frankincense uh, sprinkled on top of it. And then they would bring it, and they would give it to the priest, and the priest would wave it. It's called a wave offering. And uh, this was this was in a, ba- in a basket. It was still in the basket. And they would the priest would wave the offering, called a wave offering, and in front of the uh, altar. And then the priest would take part of that grain mixed with the olive oil and the frankincense, and he would burn part of it in an open flame on the altar. But he wouldn't he wouldn't burn all of it. He burned part of it because the leftovers were for the priests to use to, to eat from. Part of the, the the way that God made accommodation for them to be able, although they, they weren't farmers, they would still be able to have food. And so that's what they did. Now, that's the national observance. And the personal observance, the farmer would bring his sheaf to the uh, temple, uh, and he would also bring his offering of a lamb, you heard that we just read in Leviticus, a lamb or two turtle doves, depending on what he could afford, and his drink offering of wine. And he would first give the sacrificial animal to the priest who would then make the sacrifice, and that would become a burnt offering on the altar. And then he would give the priest the barley in the basket. And again, the priest would take the basket and wave it before the altar, wave it before God, and then he would take Part of the uh, part of the barley out and throw it into the fire to burn. So um, and before he could uh, leave, the uh, person bringing the uh, the barley had to recite a certain prayer, and it was a prayer that they had to memorize and say the same way every time. And you're asking me what was the prayer? Okay, I want to tell you. Uh, turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy comes after Numbers, and we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy 26. Okay. So, just starting with verse 1. When you entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it, and have settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. That's why they had baskets. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as his dwelling, as the, a dwelling place for his name, that's the temple, and say to the priest in office at the time, and this was your prayer that you had to say, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. Then the priest would take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. This is the next thing you would say. My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terrors and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. That was the prayer that they had to recite as part of the first fruits offering. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. So that shows also, this was also a a celebration of thanksgiving. You know, you're thanking God that he's provided a new harvest for you. What do we celebrate in our thanksgiving? That we got the things that God has given us in the year gone by. And the original thanksgiving was what? It was a harvest festival, wasn't it? And so this is now taking on for them. And that day was also a day of thanksgiving for the harvest that God was giving them and believing that he was going to give them more uh, in the future. And remember, that's that's what, you know, if you're growing uh, your barley and you bring the first to give to God, then you're having faith and trust he's going to give you more uh, later on. So that's all part of that as well. Okay, so that is the way that first fruits was commemorated and celebrated back in Jesus' day. And Jesus would have celebrated first fruits in much that same way. So now let's fast forward to today. How is the Feast of First Fruits celebrated today? It ain't. <laughs> it's not. And uh, there are uh, a couple of reasons for that. Uh, the first is uh, that it required that there be a temple, right? Like Passover we talked about. Uh, God has required that the this, uh, uh, you know, Bringing the first fruits, bringing the barley had to be brought to the temple. It had to be burned on the altar of the temple. So when the temple was destroyed in AD 70, there's no more temple. So you can't can't bring your first fruits to the temple anymore. So this ceased to be observed and celebrated. Um, But actually... um, I'll take this opportunity to kind of get back to why I think... I started off by saying why I think the Jewish people artificially changed the interpretation of um, the Sabbath and the Feast of First Fruits being on a Sunday, and why they reinterpreted it to be the first day after the first day, the sense of what we're to say, the first day after the first day of unleavened bread. And that is because once. Christ was resurrected. And we saw all in Acts, very soon thereafter, a lot of people were becoming Christians. A lot of people in Jerusalem, thousands of people, were becoming believers in Christ. And as a believer in Christ, what day is exciting for you? Sunday. Sunday, right? What we celebrate on Sunday, basically every Sunday is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that was the day on which he was resurrected, the day when they came to the empty tomb. So this became a problem for the Jewish uh, religious leaders because, you know, we're there wanting to celebrate a resurrection of the earth the Christians are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And this became a very big movement in Jerusalem at the time. And so Sunday became so associated with Jesus' resurrection and Christians that the Jews had a problem. Because if they just continue to like lift up that first Sunday after Sabbath, Saturday, as first fruits, right? That's a political problem for them. Because the Christians say, yes, you got it. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And all of a sudden they go, okay, well, we can't do that. So what do we come up with? So they came up with the first day after the first Day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That will be, we'll change that. We'll make that the Sabbath. And we'll have first fruits the day after that. So it doesn't always have to be on a Sunday. It and, could have been the last uh, day of, of Unleavened Bread because that was a day of, 
That's another. It's right. Exactly. And, and no work. Exactly. But so then, but then it wouldn't. But then it wouldn't fit within that eight-day period, yes, which yes. they wanted to do. Yeah, okay. So, uh, so they had to artificially change that date because Sunday now is the Christian day. Mm-hmm. Sunday is the day of resurrection. Sunday is if Sunday is always the feast of first fruits. And they're saying, the Christians are saying, yes, you get it. You got it. Jesus, the first fruits, the first of the first fruits. So that's why they had to change it. So today there is no uh, celebration or commemoration of first fruits. But what, they, what it now is is more like a, a time marker, a time marker. And what they do now is they use that day as the first day to count off to Pentecost, or what they call Shavuot. And so... From the from the day of first fruits, you count forty nine days, seven times seven, seven sevens, seven weeks is forty nine days from the day of first fruits, and then on the next day, on the fiftieth day, is Pentecost. So, uh, and so now today they just use the day after the first day of unleavened bread as the first day, counting to. Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, they call it. We call it Pentecost. But here's the deal. If you use their timing of the first day after the first day of unleavened bread, then Pentecost or Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks doesn't all, it can start, it starts all different days because their Feast of First Fruits comes on all different days, but not for us because we're still saying it's the first day after that Sabbath, which is Sunday. And if we count 49 days plus one, guess what? Pentecost always falls on a Sunday. See, see, God is not simplistic, but God is simple. It's good or bad. It's right or wrong. It's Sabbath or not a Sabbath. But isn't it interesting that we celebrate uh, Jesus' resurrection on a Sunday every single time? And we celebrate Pentecost, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit, on Sunday, every single time. Sunday and Sunday. See, it makes so much more sense in the poetry and the mathematics of God, right? Okay, so um, where is Jesus in the Feast of First Fruits? Well, let's look at, I've already talked about it. Let's look just for a moment. Go to 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. This is Paul writing. He says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So see, but it's still it's still it's still it's still based on faith, isn't it? Because you had to have faith to plant the seed that God was going to give you the crop of the first fruits in Jesus' day. Today we have to have faith that Jesus is the first to be resurrected but that we have faith that through him, as believing in him, we will also be resurrected. He was the first fruit, and we will follow. And we have faith that that will happen. Just like they had faith that that crop was going to grow, we have faith that we're going to, that, that, that crop is going to rise to new life. We have faith that we are going to rise to new life. He was the first fruits, we follow him. Now, we have a little a video here. Zola Levitt does a great job of explaining this. It's inspiring. So it's just about three minutes long. So let's, let's, yes, go ahead, please. In Matthew um, 27, um, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Yep. The earth shook and rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised. Yes. So that's first fruit, isn't it? That's Ruth. Talk about that? Ruth. What? Uh, I just watch this. Watch this. Okay. You are. Yeah. Uh, but isn't that cool? Yeah. 
cool. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Watch this. Well, if that happened to them, that can happen. I mean, we yeah. have so much faith we have to believe we have when it's happened. Watch this. For the very first fruits. Remember the resurrection. I'll be back with you right after. I think that we missed it. <laughs> That's the end of it. Is that the end of it? Yeah. 21, I think. Uh, Minute, minute 21. I misread the wrong one. 21? I think, yeah, it starts at 21, I believe. Oops. Sorry, I read the wrong number. It's all right. Oh, yeah, that's the end. I was trying to give you the ending number. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, it's my fault. No. You, you gave me both. I, t- I take complete responsibility. <laughs> at 21? Yeah. You're almost there. Uh, Just go with the you know, one. The, there's no sacrifices anymore to wave a, a, a uh, uh, barley uh, would probably be inappropriate outside Mount Moriah, outside the real temple where all the worship was. But uh, there used to be, and you know, Jesus celebrated first fruits. Jesus was uh, certainly an Orthodox Jew, and he did it in an unusual way. He was raised on that Sunday, uh, of course, after he was uh, crucified on Passover and buried on unleavened bread. He rose on first fruits. Our seventh feast book clarifies that each feast was celebrated in order in the appropriate way. When he rose that Sunday, it says in Matthew 27, uh, uh, 53 and uh, 54, that uh, uh, dead people came out of their graves and were seen in Jerusalem, in the holy city, it says. And, you know, it's a hard passage to understand. What, what are those resurrections? A few people, not very many. Uh, how is that? Uh, I think the answer is simply that is Jesus' offering on first fruits. He brings God some of the first fruits of what he raises. Jesus is not a farmer who raises barley. Jesus raises people. So he raised a few, presented them to the Father. Even though he was busy uh, in his resurrection, he kept the feast. Well, it's, it's, it's just a, a marvelous thrill. There's, just, there's, there's nothing so... Uh, so compelling is the idea that we will defeat death, but but Paul exalts over it. To, uh, you know, uh, death, where is thy sting? Uh, uh, with with belief in Messiah, we do defeat death. Uh, when is this feast? Again, uh, I'll repeat it, repeat it. I'm tireless on the point. The Sunday after Passover, always, every year. It doesn't matter where they put what's called Easter. But occasionally that gets on the wrong day, but you can't miss Passover. Passover is the first full moon of spring. The next Sunday is always first fruits. Believe me, the mood is not wrong uh, uh, when, it, when it does what it's supposed to do. Because God told us he put the heavenly bodies there for signs and for seasons. All right, so when we need to compute when something is, we look at the heavenly bodies. The Sunday after the first full moon of spring is always first fruits. And at first fruits, uh, we think of resurrection. And, you know, I said it in context of Passover, too. Uh, when we covered that subject, but when we go to Israel, one of the most thrilling sights is the Lord's empty tomb. But do we ever think of the fact that someday all our tombs will be empty? Uh, you cannot permanently bury a believer. That can't be done. Uh, Job doesn't think he's permanently buried. Uh, and, and all the more would we who live uh, in this age think uh, uh, the Lord will remember us easily. Uh, sure, all our tombs will be empty someday. And we'll all come forth as surely as these crops come forth, as surely as we have this barley and all these uh, lovely flowers that we have the studio trimmed with today. Those are all first fruits, in effect. Uh, they, they all were crops that came uh, forth from the earth. So remember the name, first fruits, and remember the resurrection. I'll be back with you right after this. That's it. Yes. Don't tell him you don't want to buy a casket. You're just going to rent it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. One of the people I, when I go to heaven, he's going to be one of the people I, I look up and hug. Because <laughs> he got us started on all this. I think I said earlier it was new moon. I misspoke. It's full moon. And he says there, the Sunday after the first full moon of spring is always, always. God put it in the Bible. We can't mess with that. We shouldn't. It's always the Sunday. And that's, you know, that makes so much sense to us as Christians, doesn't it? They couldn't celebrate like that, the Jewish people, because it ran so counter to what they wanted it to say. But we can lift it up because to us it's just so clearly right, isn't it? So.
That's all I got today. Yes, Dennis. Real quick, uh, one is uh, about the day for the Jewish community. Uh, it starts in the evening. Correct. The next. Uh, why is that? Uh, the only thing I can think of is when creation uh, in Genesis, uh, the concluding statements of God every day was, it was evening and it was morning of the first day. So from God's perspective, it began in the evening, Went through the day. Exactly right. And that is exactly why they see it that way. Because when God made the creation and he gave his word, it was evening, it was morning, the first day, evening, morning, second day. So they count their day evening to morning. And it's very interesting then when you look into, you know, Jesus' last days, um, it works out that uh, if you do it by 6 o'clock to 6 o'clock each day, everything fits into timing perfectly that he was... Uh, crucified on Passover. He was in the grave during unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So he was, he was, he was actually crucified as our Passover lamb on Passover. He was in the tomb uh, without sin uh, as we believe in him and we believe and we have faith in the cross, that what he did for us on the cross, we then are forgiven and we don't have sin he's buried on our behalf without sin and then if you do again the the timing right then he was resurrected on sunday which would have been that day uh, back in that day it was exactly friday saturday sunday and that sunday was their feast of first fruits he rose and was resurrected on the actual jewish celebration of first fruits because he is the first fruit so it all works out perfectly um, to be Jesus was the representative of all the, he, he through himself was the Passover, was the unleavened bread, was the first fruits. It works so perfectly to point to him. So praise the Lord for that. That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today, and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you. Peace be with you. Shalom.